0: Pour yourself a sweet tea, pull up a lawn chair, and turn the page with us. You're listening to Right On Mississippi, a podcast taking you inside the minds of America's most treasured wordsmiths. I'm Ebony Lamumba, and Right On Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's literary lawn party. I am sitting across from Brittany Morris- author of Slay. Hi, Brittany. Hi. Can I just tell you how special I feel, and the, I, I'm going to just speak for the entire city right now, Aww. that you're sharing this day with us. Of course. This is your book's birthday. It is. You've given birth <laughs> today <laughs> here in Jackson with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. And wanting to chat with us about Slay, who the title of your debut novel, I Can't Say It Enough. I just I mean I find different ways to use slay. It has become a verb. It's very punnable. Yeah, I'm, okay like why weren't we using this before and we just wasted it on Buffy for vampires but now it's applicable to all of these other aspects of life. I'm so excited to talk about the book but first I, I think I just want to talk about you so folks get to know you for the brilliant personality that you are. I wish they could see you because you look stunning.
1: Oh thank you. No I,
0: I mean I don't even think you should uh, uh, thank me for a compliment like that. It's just speaking the truth. So let's talk about you. You, um, unlike a lot of the writers that we talk to on this segment, you have a degree in economics. I do. So I know nothing about <laughs> economics, right down to my own personal budget. <laughs> but tell me how someone with a bachelor's in economics from Boston you mm-hmm. okay, turns into a writer. Of young adult fiction.
1: Yep. So I've always loved to write. I've actually, I fell in love with writing at an early age when I was nine. Um, I grew up in kind of a rough household where Mm. it wasn't a very kind environment. So writing was kind of my retreat. I could always dive into a notebook and nobody could touch me there. Um, So um, fell in love with writing from a very early age. Always wanted to be a writer. And then when I got to college... uh, the voices of society began to talk me into majoring in something, quote, sensible, mm-hmm. read, mm. mathematic, uh, yeah. or business-oriented. So you could get a job. So I could get a job. There we yeah. Go. So I let go of the idea of an English degree and huh. instead went with economics because it was versatile. Didn't quite want to do just straight math. Right. Didn't quite want to do straight applicable. business. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually taught me a lot of things about like it changed how I look at the world and how I look at yeah, like, like yeah politics and commerce and. Every, you know, action has an equal opposite reaction and Hmm. everything affects something else. So it was really eye opening. It was actually a lot of fun. You're so thoughtful.
0: Thanks. That was the best marketing pitch for majoring (laughs) in economics (laughs) (laughs) that I've ever heard. And some of my colleagues would thank you from across campus. So I love that you position sort of writing as healing. Absolutely. Because what I we, we will find in Slate, and I'm gonna do my best not to give any spoiler alerts. <laughs> I've read the book, y'all. It's amazing. Go get it so that when you see me on the streets we can talk about it. But um this this centering writing as a form of healing, not just therapy, but truly right like ridding these scars that we um accumulate over our lives. You talk about writing doing that for you, but Kiera your main character is doing that with a form of art, with her gaming and being a game developer which is such a brilliant space for you to position a young black girl in Thank talk you. to me just a little bit about how how you got to know Kiara, because I believe characters they live, they are true individuals, they function separate from the author, so how did you get to know Kiara and how did she become uh, this sleigh center point absolutely
1: so i got to know kira pretty quickly okay uh went to see black panther opening night came oh! up with the idea and then wrote the whole first draft in 11 days stop stop <laughs> so <laughs>
0: First of all, like, just a moment. So you went to see Black Panther, and yes. so there's all of this connection between young Black women in STEM, Princess Shuri, who my daughter is, my yes. five-year-old obsessed <laughs> with Shuri. She now wants to be a scientist of some sort, a lipstick Aww. scientist at this point, Ooh. which I'm like, yes, girl, can all we right. do that early on, and can mommy have a discount? But <laughs> I love that that was the jumping-off point, because what we find... um statistics are showing that because Black Panther did so well, it opened up this space to consider uh, Black communities and identities in STEM. Absolutely. And so we get Kiera and we get this brilliant novel and you wrote it in how many days? Eleven. Oh my gosh.
1: And then promptly came Not down with the flu on day 12. 12. <laughs> what? I what? didn't sleep. I didn't eat. It was bad. I don't recommend it. I don't, recommend, people so- try that. I
0: don't recommend it. <laughs> Recommend it if you come up with something like slate. Like, do it, everybody, <laughs> right now. Stop where you're doing. And so 11, that is mind-boggling because this book is so rich. One of the things that I love that you're doing, and again, trying not to give spoiler alerts, but what you may not realize, like, as young people are reading this book, there's also this profound education, cultural education going on while they're going through this saga with Kiara. So, you know, like one of the things I want to thank you for as a graduate of Spelman College is that Spelman shout-out. Yes. Thank you. We don't get, you know, the shout-outs as much as other uh, majority schools. So I love that uh, that was kind of one of the first things that I used. I was like, oh, yeah, my daughters (laughs) are going to read this. I won't even have to indoctrinate them. But um, there's all of this education, and it's not just – Uh, The history of black people in this country, which sometimes folks think that's the starting point, that 1619 slavery is a starting point for the history of black folks. But you um, you give a diasporic history in the context of a virtual reality game. (laughs) Oh, just take me to like literary tech tech techy nerdy heaven. (laughs) You did. So talk to me about like the research That had to have gone into it because, I mean, you were blowing my mind page by page. I was like, oh my goodness, she's like invoking the Adinkra. And like, (laughs) so what kind of research did you do writing a book in 11 days? Or are you just that brilliant? Don't make me hate you anymore. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Thank you. I, so the first draft was, um,
1: 20,000 words shorter than what you see today. Okay. So a lot of the research was done in the editing stage but a lot of wow. like the cards and everything I was just yeah. coming up with on the fly. Like I was just thinking of like okay what are some like things that I've bonded with people over black Twitter about like. Say that right?
0: <laughs> like you know the Thanksgiving memes which yes. are gold. Yes. Yes. Right, the memes that came out after Kanye made his statement about slavery being a choice, Mm -hmm. and just how. Every time
1: someone butchers mac and cheese, it's all over. Oh my goodness.
0: Right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that because you bring that all into the the covers, between the covers of your book, right? So all of these things that we enjoy, even sort of during traumatic moments for our communities, you put here. In the form of these cards that folks are battling each other with twist outs. and Yes. <laughs> Gabby <laughs> Douglas, Prince is in the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's intergenerational. Yes. Intergenerational. So talk to me a little bit about, because full disclosure, right? Like I am a few years removed from being a young adult. Okay. And so when I started the book, I thought I'm, the references are going to go beyond me, but... I was able to relate immediately, not just to one character. So talk to me about how intentional you were with making this an intergenerational experience. Absolutely. So a lot of the inspiration for the parents
1: came from my own parents. <laughs> um, we have slightly different views on blackness and what it means to yeah. be an empowered black adult. Yeah. Um, and so in the book, Kira's mom goes through this whole thing where she's like, you know, Telling her daughters like how to speak and to speak right language, briefly, yeah, yeah, properly. Um, whereas that code switching has continued throughout generations. Come on, code switching, just, give us some
0: terminology. I love it.
1: <laughs> we just call it different things. Right. So that was a thread that's continued throughout generations. And then there were a lot of references, like the Satchmo card with Louis Armstrong, <laughs> where John, who's a character in the book, says, "Okay, now hold on, you guys don't know who Satchmo is. <laughs> right. I need to play this game so I can show you." Um, So that those kinds of things just kind of I just thought of them as I thought of the characters, as I thought as I put myself in John's shoes. I thought, okay, what would I be experiencing as someone who knows nothing about video games, but who is a 56 year old professor of black culture? Right. Um, Right. So those were the kinds of things that I thought of as I was drafting.
0: I mean, it's really brilliant because when I talked about relating to characters, you know, oftentimes as readers, we go to the protagonist and look for ways to connect with that character. But I think what you allow for in Slay is for us to have this virtual reality experience with your characters. And so we are able to be Steph. We're able to be Malcolm. We're able to be all of these different characters at different moments. And um, there's not this sort of linear a connection to one character that I completely identify with. And and then this gaming thing comes in and I wasn't so intimidated by it. So talk to me about, you, you saw Black Panther. Sure he's this like engineering scientist phenom, but where did you, What did virtual reality come into play there? That's a
1: great question. So after seeing Black Panther, I went back to my corporate job where I was like one of two black people in <laughs> yeah. the whole IT department. Wow. And I was like, oh wow, my God, I went to see Black Panther. You guys have everybody. Everybody's seen it. Right. And they were like, eh, you know, I'm going to get around to it whenever. Or like they were like, yeah, it was OK. Like I, mean, I went and I dressed out. I yeah. had a costume. Okay? I was like, I had a whole spiritual experience <laughs> over here and y'all are just continuing on with the projects I at hand. OK. <laughs> on the happy parts. <laughs> I was like. I have to go back to Wakanda. And I said it felt like stepping into another universe, being in that theater. And I was like, I've got to go back. And so that was where the idea for a a virtual reality video game kind of came from. And then the cards came about because I started thinking about black culture and how many different facets there are of it and how different we all are. And Mm. I realized it really is about the cards you've been dealt. And so once that idea was in my head, I was like, whoa, Yu-Gi-Oh meets virtual reality Here we go.
0: (laughs) Because that's where my mind goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. I love that because one of the things that you just said, and I think is present in this uh, text, is talking about the nuances and the multiplicity of Blackness, that it's it's this heterogeneic existence, and it doesn't always get that credit. And so you do that here, that even though these, these... players are able to connect they have this entry point um what we realize is that we're just still different yeah right so there are some intersections and and I think I made up some words there just now but there, right. so right and I feel <laughs> entitled to do that make up my own cards for my own <laughs> virtual reality experience but I, I love that you underscore that because it just um it Resist the single story of blackness, which I think is so important for your readership at this point um, in time and where they may find themselves. So, where do you find yourself in Slay? I, people often think the author is the protagonist, all right? Like, <laughs> but is Brittany Kiera or where <laughs> are you in this text, or are you here?
1: I I feel like in different ways, I'm all of the characters. Um, so, I'm. trying to figure out how to explain this so Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm Kira and that I'm always exploring who I am as a black woman and always learning new things and Mm -hmm. as different things come into our culture and we adopt different things I'm figuring out what I want to keep and what I want to kind of say okay that's not really me Uh Um, but also there are some moments where I feel very much Steph and I'm like how dare you try to come up in here and tell me who to be I love (laughs) Steph
0: she's bold yes and the, uh, the fact that she's a younger sister I think is significant yes I love her so much it gives some power to you Know, yeah, the babies of the family. Mm-hmm.
1: And then other days I feel like John where video games are some of them are beyond me. I'm like mm. I, I don't even know where to go <laughs> with that. <laughs> um and so I feel like I've kind of like yeah. taken a back seat and just kind of watched different let's plays of certain games and but I still love what they're about. So
0: Yeah, because there's this whole movement with I mean it was Minecraft and then What's the new one? I'm blanking. Fortnite. Yeah, that's it. Fortnite. My nephew would kill me if he knew I, you know, flubbed on that. See, that's one. I have to take a backseat. Like, Battle Royale is not my thing. (laughs) So, honey, I'm Super Mario Brothers, okay? So, (laughs) I take a backseat to all of this, but I appreciate how you center video games. Um, This is, again, healing for Kiera. It's the center point of this story, and so there's value. Um, There's value there, and I'm interested in perhaps your thoughts about the benefit of gaming or how gaming can benefit some of or or be a solution for some of the really complex issues that are being faced in our communities. I'm so happy you asked that question. So games like Fortnite and
1: Minecraft tend to get the spotlight because they're huge. They're sensational. Right. Everybody seems to be in them and they cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but for at least the microtransactions you can get in the game. Um, the vocab word. <laughs> Um, But then there's a whole world of indie games that don't Hmm. get a whole lot of recognition. So a lot of the games that I've seen players play on YouTube have changed the way I look at complex issues. So, for example, there's a game called that Dragon Cancer that puts you in the shoes of uh, a young couple who are dealing with their child has a terminal illness. And they're going oh, through, yes, they're going through all of that. And you see them like up at night, like trying to comfort their child and not knowing how to. And you go through like their whole diary and it's based on a true story. So that mm-hmm. one, I like
0: get a box of Kleenex ready if you're going to play I that mean, one. I am having a visceral response yes. just now, just listening to a synopsis of It is
1: intense. Um, and then there's another game called Papo and Yo, which is one of my favorites of all time. And it's uh, it stars a little boy named Kiko who lives in Brazil and he is dealing with he has to play with this giant creature named Monster Mm -hmm. who if Monster encounters a frog, he will turn into like a giant flaming demon that's like trying to attack him. It's half about frogs. (laughs) It's actually the whole game. This isn't really that spoilery. The whole game is a euphemism for a child grappling with an alcoholic parent. And so the frogs
0: are monsters, drug this of is choice. mind-blowing. Mm, yeah. I love the potential of this very accessible art. Yes. Uh, have to resolve or respond to issues, real human, real-life issues. Yes. And, um, you know, kudos to you for... Grasping that and then turning it into something that still resonates with folks who aren't gamers like me. Mm-hmm. Right. I, like, again, like Super Mario Brothers Tetris. That's that's what I Tetris. know. Tetris. <laughs> it still kind of gives me anxiety. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> serious. I don't know if that was a healing space <laughs> for me. But um, I think it's it's brilliant to to center gaming at, with having the potential of doing that um and some of the things that you your characters encounter in the book are instantly relatable unfortunately they're instantly relatable and so um this, I think, is an encouragement. You're visiting one of our JPS Jackson Public School District schools today, and I'm thrilled that you are, um, she requested to do that, right? Like, yes. as a writer, as a, an artist, as someone who's producing this encouraging work that you wanted to immediately interface with students. I'm just sneaking my way in, but that's really what you're here for this early today. So, um, how do you hope folks respond to this book, and what you're doing here. Thank you. I hope that it prompts discussions about the
1: multifacetedness. Now I'm making up words. Listen, <laughs> this is what we're doing. We are gaming words here.
0: <laughs> words with my friend
1: Brittany. <laughs> the multifacetedness that is black culture. Mm-hmm. Um there are 38 million of us in the U.S. and wow. an estimated 1.2 billion of us worldwide. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people to paint with a broad brush. So Say that again. Mm-hmm. That's so, a whole T-shirt. <laughs> I love it. So I think, like, changing people's expectations of what blackness is— wow. Is, like, a huge priority for me in this. And I also hope that it prompts discussions about video games and the merit behind them, given, like, violence in the U.S. being, you know, at a high point lately. Mm -hmm. And video games being the center of that discussion with, like... Or the scapegoat. Yes. For that discussion. Absolutely. Right. Right. So...
0: I I think... um... And I'm, again, like a child of the 80s and early 90s where, you know, the reprimand was like, go outside, get off these video games. And perhaps there was some benefit there. But I like that you privilege and acknowledge right, kids who find their space here. Absolutely. Um, Because, you know, we can become ourselves in all of these different spaces. You know, everybody doesn't respond to everything in the same way. I like to, like, outside of gaming in the book, you spend time with other sort of cultural um, elements like food. Yes. Which is, that's an entry point across cultures and within black culture to relate. And so just like Mama's Chicken in the the book – I love that it gets—and um, I'm hungry. It's lunchtime, guys. So <laughs> let's just talk a little bit about this mayonnaise chicken that, <laughs> that's in the book. Listen, y'all, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't try to, <laughs> to make the mayonnaise butter chicken. It sounds amazing. But talk to me a little bit about, like, food and the place that it found in this book and maybe the place that it plays in your understanding and— um embodiment of blackness. Absolutely. So a little
1: bit of background information. I'm a huge fan of Hayao Miyazaki. Anything Hayao Miyazaki. Ponyo, Spirited Away, Mm -hmm. Princess Mononoke, Mm -hmm. any of that. He features a lot of food in his animations. and I'm always just mesmerized by how it looks and everything. So all of my creative (laughs) works feature food as a central point. It's my kind of creative work. Yes. Um, But beyond that, I think food, the reason why it's such a huge cultural element for everybody is there's a lot of gathering that's done around food, and a lot For of conversation sure. that's done around food, and there's a lot of like passing recipes down mm-hmm. and knowing how to make it right. And yeah. there's also a lot of like, oh, you you know, you just got to feel how much to put into a recipe. So For you have to sure, spend time a with pinch people. of this, a dash of that. Exactly. Nobody measures. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of like learning and a lot of community around it, and For so. Sure. There's the like the chicken, for example. Um, Kira kind of hints that she wishes she knew how to make that dish, yeah. Um, and doesn't explicitly say like that's part of who she is as a black woman, but she really respects her mother for like mm-hmm. her cooking abilities. And even like she comes, her mother comes out with a different flavor of pancakes every Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> like magic. Yes, come on. So that's why I included all of that.
0: I, I, I appreciate that, right? The benefit of. And like the intellectual nature of all of these very simple everyday things. And so we find ourselves in sleigh no matter how old or young we are or what our experiences have been, because we've all eaten and we've all felt the need to belong. We've all wanted to isolate and we've all wanted to um to express ourselves. And so we find this in this book that seem, that seemingly is something that we don't understand if you're not a gamer. And if you don't, I mean, let me tell you something. I saw VR and I was like, wait, the C is missing. Cause it has to be VCR. <laughs> what is VR? Virtual reality kids for everyone who is as simple as I am. And so I appreciate that you allow us a door in this and I am just excited to watch this balloon and grow, and young people especially to see themselves in in this text. I want to talk a little bit about Malcolm. Okay. Right? Without being, you know, doing the spoilers, but this character, Malcolm, because he's got some, he's conflicted. Yes. But uh, he's Kara's boyfriend, and he's ultra militant at a young age. Talk to me about his creation and how you met him. Absolutely. So, Uh, I recently joined Instagram. I love recently. (laughs) The gamer that joined Instagram last night. Okay. Uh,
1: And there are a lot of pro-black accounts Mm -hmm. that are, I mean, there's just a lot of pro-black accounts that are awesome. There are a few that spread some pretty concerning misinformation, Mm. such as, um, you know, if black women weren't eating, quote, the white man's food, uh, we wouldn't have menstrual cycles uh, and our bodies would be pure and we wouldn't need sleep and a whole bunch of (sighs) questionable questionable stuff. Um, So that's kind of... Wow. Yeah. I (laughs) have
0: not... (laughs) I have not come across these accounts. Oh, yes. I'll be reporting them. Yeah. (laughs) So Malcolm's
1: character was born a little bit out of, like, misinformation and the notion that, like, unless we are only taking in black voices and black opinions, Mm -hmm. we're colonized and yeah. we're like for the white man or whatever. Mm-hmm, There's a whole mm-hmm. conversation in the book where Malcolm talks right. to Kieran and he's like, would you ever date a white boy? And mm-hmm. she said well, I I don't know. I've never really thought yeah. about it. And he gets like viscerally upset at the concept of this imaginary white boy that Kieran right. may or may not date. Right. And that's Who why. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I love that you, so you're approaching all of these different perspectives about like being healthy in your blackness. Yes. And I love that this is a book for young adults. So you are f- from Oregon. Yes. You went to school in Boston. You now live in Philly. Yes. But you're in Mississippi yes. today <laughs> and you love food. So I this question has nothing to do with the book and everything to do with where you are today. But what have you eaten here that has inspired you that we might see in the next piece from you?
1: I have eaten only two meals, well, okay. three meals. Okay. One was a hotel buffet, okay. which it was good, but I don't know if it counts. Um, then I had a Wendy's salad. <laughs> <And> then- Girlfriend. <laughs> but last night I did order from Drago's. Drago's. Okay. Yes. That's, that is markedly Southern. That was fantastic. Had shrimp and grits. It was lovely.
0: Okay, so we need you to go to Bullies. Bullies. All yes, right. it is a locally owned, family owned local establishment. It's been around forever. That is my recommendation to you. Do not bring um, your heart monitor or anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry don't be counting calories. But go to bullies and tell them that I sent you. And um Eat everything. Okay. I can't even recommend one thing, but it is amazing. And that's just at the top of my list. There's so many other recommendations. And then we just want to see one dish from Bullies in the next book, which has that started? Have you started writing?
1: I have. I finished writing.
0: Oh, girl. Yes. In
1: 11 days, probably.
0: <laughs> 10 days this time. No. no,
1: Not at all. This one took me three months, so. Okay.
0: <laughs> Still, we're in awe of you. Any teaser I mean, today is about Slay. Right now is about Slay. So I don't even want to take it to the next project. But it's great to know that you've already written it and we can anticipate it. But any teaser that you want us to have?
1: Yes. So
0: title is not finalized,
1: but the book is about two black teenage boys. One can see into the future and one can see into the past. And it's It's Afrofuturism
0: speculative. Yes.
1: And it's a it's a commentary on the black experience today being a navigation of the present with the weight of future violence oh in police brutality and the school to prison pipeline, and also dealing with the weight of slavery and oppression in your past. So generational black, trauma. Yes. Being black in the present is a lot heavier than people suspect.
0: So, OK, we're going to talk offline about that because <laughs> I am in and I want to I want the manuscript <laughs> like I'm Miranda Priestley. Now, I want the manuscript Bind it. <laughs> Give it to me on the train. Brittany, you are such a delight. And to talk to, to learn from, and uh, Slay is brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, that's free commercial. You know, that's a free commercial, <laughs> free marketing for you, but it is brilliant, and I'm grateful that you're thinking about these things, so thank you for being in Mississippi and spending Slay's birthday with us. Go out and grab it if you have not yet, and you're going to join us a little bit later on. We're going to be hanging out all day, Yes, <laughs> and I'm just going to be picking your brain and imagining uh, new class courses and coursework <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) about what you're thinking about because I think it's that important. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right on, Brittany. (laughs) We want to thank Brittany Morris for joining us today. Be sure to visit your local bookstore to purchase her works and keep up with her online by checking out authorbrittanymorris.com Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's literary lawn party.